checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Last day, I want to just say thank you to Pastors Earl and Marcy for inviting us in and Anchor Faith Church. Thank you for letting me be a part of your ministry and your church here. Hallelujah. Bonnie and I love you. Appreciate you and are thankful for what God's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to invite you to go to Hebrews, the first chapter. Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to begin in verse 1. The apostle writing to the Hebrew Christians is, is revealing to them. Actually, the book of Hebrews is great because he takes you out of the law into grace and, and brings you over into a living relationship with the Lord. He also teaches you how faith was used in the old days and how it's used for today. And, and how we walk in the things of God. But he begins this first chapter by, by speaking to us about how it all has come to pass. And he says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. Now, now notice here that, that God is speaking through the prophet here and he says that God has always been speaking to his people. Amen. Before the Lord Jesus, he spoke to us through his prophets. He spoke to us, you know, through the Old Testament. He, he was constantly speaking. You know, a lot, a lot of people don't understand God's always talking to you. The problem is not God talking to us. The problem is us hearing him. Amen. I remember one time I was having a struggle, and so I began to press in, and I prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted, and then I'd got about three days into my prayer and fasting, and the Lord spoke to me, and it was just like he was booming at me, voice just real loud. I said, Lord, why are you talking so loud? He said, I'm not talking loud. This is my normal voice. You've just been so far away from me, it sounded small to you. He said, you finally got close enough to hear me. Amen. Sometimes if we're not hearing from God, we, we need to press in until we can get our ears open up enough to hear him because he's speaking to us. And he says, and he's also now spoken to us through his son, who, whom he has appointed all things and whom he made the world. In other words, the Lord Jesus, the word, and we know in Genesis 1 that God created all things through the word. Amen. And so Jesus was in the creation. <clears throat> and he says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. What's he mean? Being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person. Jesus was God expressing himself to us. Amen. If you want to know what God's will is, look to Jesus. If you want to know what God will do for you, look to Jesus. Because Jesus was God expressing himself to humanity. He was God in flesh. And as Pastor Earl's brought out, the Lord never did anything of his own measure. He always did what his father told him to do and said what his father told him to say and acted like his daddy. Amen. And so he was God speaking to us. Then notice here that he says, and he's upholding all things by the word of his power. Word there is rhema, R-H-E-M-A, the spoken word of his power. Notice if you want to release the power of God, you need to speak the word. You can't, you can't speak your words of doubt and unbelief and release the power of God. And you can't get the power of God, then speak. God is upholding all things by the spoken word of his power. His power is released when he speaks the word. Hallelujah. 
And we've already heard that. We've already seen that. Your faith can't be released until you speak. Amen. The Lord Jesus in Mark eleven twenty three, telling us how to release the faith that we're supposed to have, said, say to this mountain. And the mountain doesn't do anything until you speak to it. Amen. You didn't get saved until you confessed Jesus as Lord. You said it. And then when you said, Jesus is my Lord, salvation came into your life. So everything operates through the spoken word. And God is upholding all things by the spoken word. God is speaking to us. And we have to act on what he says. And when we act on what he says, it releases his power to operate in our lives. Amen. And so he goes on and he says this. Uh, once again, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Listen, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now he's not talking here about when Jesus was born in the manger. He's talking about when the Lord Jesus Christ was born again in the belly of, the, of hell and, and uh, rose up and became the conquering king that he is today. Amen. Because he says, and again, I will be to you, my father. Well, when was he not his father? When Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God. The father was judging the sin of humanity and the rebellion of humanity in his son. And Jesus was separated from the father. And so Jesus was down into the, the, the region of, 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 of darkness and going through all the torments for you and me. Isaiah, all the prophets talk about, you know, when we talk about redemption, how he, he suffered sickness, disease. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was battered. He was all these things for you and me. Amen. But there comes a day on resurrection morning when God speaks and he says, today you are my son. And again, I will be your father. And when he spoke that, all of hell and all the devils and demons and, and everything else could not stop the Lord Jesus Christ from flinging off all them things and rising up as the conquering king. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that after the Lord has suffered three days and three nights, paid the price, took our place, all it took was a word from the Father to raise him up and defeat everything around him. And Jesus responded to that word and the power of God came on him right there. Hallelujah. Now let's see what happens down here when Jesus is being raised up. He says, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. And when again, he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hallelujah. Notice that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised up a king. Amen. And his kingdom would be ruled by a scepter of righteousness. And of his kingdom, there would be no end in Luke chapter 1, he says. So Jesus has been raised up and seated as king above everything. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? 
and he's Lord and he's king and he rules with righteousness. And we find in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is just not the natural things that you see in this world, but the kingdom of God is the force of righteousness operating in your life. Right standing and rights with God is the force of peace. You've got the peace of God. Well, Romans 5 says now we have been brought back into peace with God. We're not at odds with him anymore. Amen. But it's also the joy of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. What's joy? Joy is a spiritual force that operates in you that stops the lies of the devil in its tracks. If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal your goods. Hallelujah. Amen. Because Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And right there, joy is not happiness. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a spiritual force that says that God before me, who can be against me? And I'm going to praise God. I don't care what's going on. You can't tell me that Paul and Silas had a lot of happiness down in, the, in that jail. But Paul knew he was righteous. Paul had peace that God was going to get him through. And Paul released the joy of the Lord in that place. Hallelujah. Because they began to sing praises. How many of you know there was not a lot of inspiration in those praises? Man, this gel style stinks and these chains. I'm just inspired to sing praises. Hallelujah. No, it was his relationship with his king and the relationship that he had in the kingdom of God and the revelation that he had of what the kingdom of God was. The kingdom of God is not just, uh, you know, just what we see, just what we can taste, what's going on right now. The kingdom of God is that right now invisible force that's operating on the inside of me and around me that you might not be able to see, but I see it. Yep. And it gives me victory over everything that's coming against me. Hallelujah. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is raised up as king. And so we see that the kingdom of God is established and the kingdom of God begins to work. And so the Lord is going to rule and he's going to reign. Now look in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Over here, the apostle Paul gives us some, some more uh, revelation as we look into this. And we drop down here in 1 Corinthians 15 to verse 20. And he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order... Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts the end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ is still doing his Father's will. Even as the Lord and King over the kingdom and ruling over the kingdom, he's still doing it as unto his father because there comes a day when death is finally destroyed and the cause of death is finally destroyed. When all this stuff comes to a consummation, even the Lord Jesus turns the kingdom over to the father. So the Lord is still teaching us stewardship. 
because he's being a good steward as king over the kingdom of God and ruling over the kingdom of God in behalf of his father and for his father. And there's going to come a day when he's going to present the kingdom and all of his citizens to the father and we're going to all be together and rejoice. Hallelujah. But until then, he's ruling. And he says he has to rule over the kingdom until all of his enemies are put under his feet. And the last enemy that is to be put under his feet is death. Isn't that right? And somebody comes along and says, well, well what do you mean has put under death? We all understand that, that, that death is still in the earth. People are dying. Amen. But you've got to understand something, folks. There are, there are actually three steps or three phases of Jesus destroying death. You've got to get a hold of this. The first phase of Jesus destroying death was to conquer the one who was over death, that is the devil. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, I could quote it. Let's read it. Praise God. Go ahead and, and, and let's look at it. Help sometimes if we just take some time and look at it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When the Lord Jesus Christ was taken down into hell and went to the place of suffering for you and me, he took upon himself our death. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we could be made the righteous of God. Amen? So that sin, death, came upon Jesus. He was separated from the Father. So Jesus went down. But here's the thing you've got to understand. When Jesus went down into hell, he conquered death. How did he conquer death? There's two ways you can lose authority. Adam lost his authority by not using it. If you don't use your authority, the one you should be using it against will steal it from you and take it from you and use it against you. So Adam lost his authority because he wouldn't use it. But then the second way you lose authority is by abusing it. And the devil abused his authority. How did he abuse his authority? He took an innocent man down into hell. He had no right to take the Lord Jesus down into hell and put him through that suffering because Jesus had had no sin. And after three days and three nights of judgment, the father looked down and says, I see no sin in him. So therefore, again, you are my son. And today I raise you up. And when he did, Jesus went over and took the keys of death and hell away from the devil, Revelation says, took the crown off of his head that he had taken off of Adam's head and put it on his own and came up out of that grave with the keys and with the crown. And he was raised up king of kings and lord of lords. And now Jesus has all authority because he took it back from the devil. And since Jesus is being a good steward over the kingdom of God with that authority, it'll never be lost. And the great thing about that authority is this, that Jesus is now the one who is over that authority. And he says in Matthew 28, behold, I give you authority to go into all the world to make disciples. Hallelujah. You and I get to operate in that original authority that God gave to Adam because Jesus went down and took it back. Hallelujah. Ooh, isn't that good? 
And so now we have a Lord that we can trust. And so we see the, the first phase of the destruction of death and Jesus overcoming his enemies was in his resurrection. When he defeated and paralyzed and took away from the devil his right to enforce spiritual death. What do you mean? Satan cannot stop anybody from getting saved. I don't care who you are. You can be the worst of the worst. But if you say, Jesus, be my Lord, Satan has no power to stop you from having eternal life imparted into you at that moment. Are you hearing me? So in that phase, death is already defeated and destroyed because it no longer can control you and keep you away from God. Are you listening to me? But then the second place... That, that, that death is destroyed and brought into a place is at the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus at the beginning of the millennium in, Re in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3, when the Lord comes back and he sets up his throne, the, the angels take the, the devil and take him and throw him into the bottomless pit. Amen? And so he's defeated at that time. So now then, that's the second phase of Jesus destroying and ruling over that. But the final phase of Jesus defeating and destroying death, because you see, he's got to rule and reign. He can't turn the kingdom over to the Father until the last enemy is completely destroyed. Amen? So during the millennial reign, Jesus rules for a thousand years and we're here with him and death is destroyed and, 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 and basically Put the one who's over death is now locked up. But then, unfortunately, you know, we've already talked to you about the two ages, and during this millennial age, at the end, the devil's loose for a season. And he rallies and he comes. But what happens? Well, in that same Revelation 20, we find out that whenever God, the Lord, you know, God comes back and the great white throne comes down, God takes death, hell, the grave, the beast, and everything, you know, whatever, and throws him into the lake of fire. And a new heaven and a new earth come in, praise God. And finally, death is totally conquered, and Jesus has defeated all the enemies of humanity, and then he turns the kingdom over to the Father. Hallelujah. You know, the great thing about that is this. We are already getting to participate in all of this. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got in. You know, uh, we're born in this particular age. We talked about earlier. I'm still recapping some of the stuff and adding a little bit to it. Is that all right? See, in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler, we, shot, we already got into that. But at the end, when the disciples said, well, Lord, we've left all and followed you. We've, we've, we've totally given ourselves to you completely. And he said, whoever gives up whatever and gives themselves completely to me will, will receive a hundredfold in this time with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So the Lord shows us there's two time periods or two ages there that we're to be in. Matthew 12, 32, Jesus said, you know, if you speak a word against the Holy Spirit, you'll not be forgiven in this age or in the age to come. So he again refers to two different ages. So we're in the church age right now, praise God. And it began whenever Christ was raised from the dead. Praise the Lord. And, and, and salvation came. And so we entered it. But notice that he said that in this age we're living in, we can get blessed, but we're going to get persecuted and tested and tried and fussed at because we get blessed. How many of you found out when you got saved that a little persecution came along with it? Oh, there comes Holy Joe. You think you're really something now, don't you? 
Just because you go to church don't mean you're something. I know what you used to do. Nobody here has ever had that done to you, I'm sure. But you're going to get persecuted, you know. I mean, you know, you, you finally believe God and get a nice car that you don't have to put as much oil in as you do gas every time you open you know. And your old neighbors go, hey, well, look at Mr. and Mrs. Uppity got you a nice car. Now you really think you're something, don't you? Wait a minute, I just got a car that starts all the time whenever I turn the key. Hallelujah, you should be happy for me. I just, I, my faith is growing, glory to God. But how many of you found out the world doesn't really get all excited because your faith is growing? How many of you found out some Christians don't get real excited because your faith is so we're living in this age where there is persecution, where there is tests and trials. Jesus said over there, Matthew, though, he said, listen, when they're persecuting you and saying all kinds of things falsely against you for my sake, just rejoice and be exceedingly. Just rejoice because great is your reward. Amen. So, so we learn to operate in this age we're living in, and it also opens our eyes up to let us know that there's still a devil in this age because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says Satan is still the god of this, this world system. And like we brought up before, when Jesus conquered him, he didn't remove him. The devil doesn't get removed until the millennium. And then that's not a permanent removal. That's just a day. Somebody says, a day? Yeah. Peter said, a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So he spends one day locked up in the God's time. Amen. But then, you see, we begin to find out that, that even now, though, there's, there's demons that we have to deal with. Ephesians chapter 6, you know, we put on the armor so we can overcome principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits, and over all the schemes, wiles, and plans of the devil. We have to lift up the shield of faith so we can quench all the flaming missiles that he's throwing at us. Amen. So we get up every day and put our armor on and put our, our faith in God and walk in our righteousness and, and get, move over into our authority as citizens of the kingdom of God. And we say, it doesn't matter what's coming against me today. No weapon formed against me today shall prosper because greater is he that's in me than he that's against me. And I'm not unaware that there's an enemy out here and he's defeated, but he's still got a mouth. And so therefore, he's going to try to talk. He's going to try to persecute. He's going to try to stir up things against me. But that's okay, Lord. You've already prepared my way today and I'm going to walk in you and nothing's going to cause me to be defeated today in Jesus' name. Amen? Even if they beat me and throw me in jail, midnight I'll pray, sing praises, shake the place, come out of there, get the jailer saved, the prisoner saved, and still do what God called me to do because I'm walking in righteous peace and joy in the Holy Ghost and I understand the season and the time that I am living in. Amen? It's like some you know, person came up to Brother Hagin one time and he was just, all just emotional. And said, Brother Hagin, he said, yeah. He said, would you pray for me that I'll never have another problem with the devil? He said, you want me to pray for you to die? She said, oh, no, no, I don't want to die. He said, well, honey, that's the only way you're never going to have another problem with the devil. He said, and besides that, if I could pray that, I'd pray it for me. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. No, in this world, you're going to have tests and trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, John 16, Amen? So we see that, that death is in the process of being destroyed right now. Amen? 
And you find basically three phases there of destruction of death. And in each one, the Lord is setting people free to the point that finally there is no more death. And the kingdom of God is established in its fullness. And the Lord then turns all over to his Father as a good steward, and they reign over us, and heaven and earth comes together. Amen? Isn't that good news? But here in Hebrews chapter 1, I mean, sorry, Galatians chapter 1, in verses 3, 4, and 5, the apostle writing here to the church, he says, he says this. He says, I'm, he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice here. Again, that Paul tells us that we're living in this present evil age. But the grace and mercy of God has already been poured out to us so that we can operate in peace and walk in victory right now during this present evil age. Amen. Now, here's the thing you've got to understand, folks. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, we read it all as the love chapter. But, you know, you get down around verse 9, and he starts talking about the, the, where we're at, how we see through a glass darkly, and we know in part, but then we're going to see clearly, and we're going to know in fullness. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about when the Lord comes back. See, in the millennial reign, we're not going to have this body. We're going to have our glorified body. And we're not going to operate in limited knowledge. We're going to have full knowledge. And we're not going to see the Lord by faith. We're going to be able to go to his throne in Jerusalem and just be around him all day long. Hallelujah. And we're going to know everything. Our faith is going to operate in a fullness. Are you listening to me? See, it's hard for us to fathom now because we're only operating in a small percentage of what we have in this realm. Amen. But then we're going to lay all that off and we're going to know fully just as he knows. Hallelujah. I'm going to have full revelation of God, full revelation of righteousness, full revelation of faith, full revelation of my authority and my power and who I am. And I'm going to live in that, praise God, without the restraints of a physical body that's going to get tired. Amen. We'll get to walk on water. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I mean, you know, the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus, they were having, you know, a meeting, and he walked through the wall and walked in the room and just appeared, and then, wow! What do you think people are going to be like when we show up? Boom! Hallelujah! And so we're going to live in that, but we're not living in that right now. Amen? Right now, we're living in a body that will talk to us. It's too early to get up. Surely you can sleep another hour and a half, maybe a day or two, hallelujah, whatever. Anybody have your body talk to you and say, don't you even tell them you like them. Because you don't like them, smack them, hallelujah. No, none of your bodies talk to you like that, do they? Huh? Especially when somebody pulls out in front of you and then shakes their fist at you and your flesh just says, oh, pray for him. Hallelujah. Anybody that just said that, we're going to have a prayer for an altar call for liars in just a little bit. 
and we're going to get you back in fellowship with God. Hallelujah. No, your flesh will tell you things. Amen. Your, your flesh will fight you. Aren't you glad that in the millennial reign, we're not going to have any fighting with our flesh? We're going to know everything in its fullness. But right now, what we have to do is this. We have to press in and find out, okay, Lord, how are you going to deliver me in this present evil age? Because that age is going to take care of itself. I'm not there yet. What I need to do is I need to learn how do I walk in victory now? Okay? How do I apply my faith now? How do I overcome now? Because that's what I need. How am I to fight the good fight of faith now and be more than a conqueror and walk in these things you've called me to be? He just said he's going to deliver us from this present evil age. How's he going to deliver us? How's he going to do this? Well, look back over in Hebrews chapter 1 again. Hebrews, the first chapter. And we'll look at a verse we just read just a few minutes ago. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the, and the express image of his person. Now listen. And upholding all things by the word of his power. How is the Lord going to deliver me from this present wicked evil age and cause me to walk in victory, cause me to be able to partake of the blessings of Abraham and live in the victories that he's given to me? I have to operate on the spoken rhema word of God. Amen? Are you listening to me? You've got to understand that you've got to take this Bible and it's got to go from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So you can't just read the Bible as a rule book. You have to read the Bible as God speaking to you as a personal message to you because when it becomes him talking to you and not just a rule to live by, then it has the power to uphold you even in this wicked age with all the enemy coming against you, hallelujah. Amen. And then let's go over to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Look at this one in verse five. He's talking about, you know, people that fall away, but here, here's a truth here in verse five that will help us. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. How am I going to taste of the powers of the age to come? Remember, we're talking about two ages. We're talking about the age we're living in now, the church age, this present evil age where we get blessed with persecutions. But then there's the age to come where the power of God is in operation. Jesus' throne is on the earth and he's ruling and reigning in righteousness and we're with him, hallelujah. Where we know, we know in part now, we know in fullness then, but we're not there yet. So, you know, how am I going to do this? What the Lord is saying to me is this. He's saying, if you will listen to the word of God and let it speak the power and the, the ability of God into you and build that word into your heart, that word will help you in your times of test to reach over into the age to come and pull the power that's operating in that age over into this age and give you the victory right now. Hallelujah. Meaning what? I don't have to wait till the millennium to start walking in victory, to be more than a conqueror, to be an overcomer, to prosper in life, to have healing in my body. Hallelujah. But how am I going to partake of the powers of God? How am I going to taste? How many of you know just tasting of the powers of the age to come is enough to get you blessed in the age we're living in now? 
I don't have to have the, the full steak. Just give me a bite of it. Hallelujah. Just a bite of that steak will fill me up for the next thousand years. Hallelujah. And so he's saying, how are you going to do that? He says, you have to take that good word of God and build it into your system. I have to be a word person. Are you hearing me? And I'm not talking about a legalist word person. I'm talking about taking God's word as God speaking a personal message to me that it is his will for my life and it is the foundation of what I'm doing. I act like I act because God said I can act this way. I have what I have because God said this is what I can have. Amen? And I don't have to explain it to you. I don't have to defend myself to you because I'm following the word of the Lord and he's the one that's in charge. Just like Jesus didn't have to explain himself to the Pharisees. You ever notice that? Jesus didn't defend himself or explain himself. He just looked at him and said, uh, <clears throat> you know what? I listen and say the things I hear my father say and do. And you listen and say the things you hear your father say. <laughs> They said, we have but one father, Abraham. He said, no, no, if you was Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. I'll tell you who your father is. Your father's the devil. <laughs> and he's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning, and so are you. Because <laughs> you're acting like him and talking like him and listening to him. Because you see, whosoever word that you receive as a word, you have to enter into to a relationship. You see, I can be in a room, and because my wife and I, you know, it's real funny, in, in, in uh, August of this year, we'll have been 50 years since we met each other. Amen. Fall of 73, we met each other. Hallelujah. And so, you know, after half a century, you know, I can be in a room like this, and I can hear her voice out of everybody else's when she's needing me. Why? Because I'm very familiar. I know that voice. I'm in covenant with that voice. Amen? Amen. Now, people I may not know, I may, you know, I may not pay any attention. And what we've got to do is this. We, there are many voices in the world, the Bible says. None of them without significance. But the voice that we need to hear is the voice of God speaking his word into our heart into our life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so I have to hear it and to hear it I've got to have a relationship with my father through my Lord and King the Lord Jesus Christ that is so intimate that when he speaks I get upheld because I'm being upheld by the spoken word of his power in my life Why do you believe you can do that? Well, I believe I can do that because I was reading this book and God talked to me right out of that thing. And see, this verse is no longer just a verse on this page. It's implanted and printed in my heart. And God is just not some far off somebody up here. He's in here with me. And Jesus is not just some austere king sitting on a throne somewhere. He walks with me and he talks with me. And he's my great shepherd and he leads me. He provides for me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's always with me. 
and I hear his voice. And when he speaks, it's the word. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I, I just decided I'd make Jesus my high priest. Amen. And so, therefore, Hebrews 3 says that I'm to, he's now the apostle and high priest of my faith confession. And then in Hebrews 4, he says, I'm to hold fast my confession. You know what that means? You need to make sure that you're always saying about you what the Lord says about you. I'm going to make sure that my confession of me agrees with what Jesus' confession of me is. Are you hearing me? Because that's how he's going to get me through this world. And right now, there are two forces in operation. The devil's still on this earth. He's still out here trying to stop us. Amen? In fact, there, there's two ways the devil's going to try to stop you. We've already made the reference in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Paul says, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them who are lost. And in verse 4, he says, in whom the God of this world, of this age, has blinded their minds or put a veil over their minds, lest they should see and hear the glorious gospel of Christ and be saved. So the very first thing the devil's going to do, his first uh, weapon or the first uh, strategy he's going to try to use against you is he's going to try to keep you away from God's word and keep you from being able to hear what Jesus has done and keep you under his dominion and keep you blinded to things of God. That's why he's trying to keep you out of church, keep you away from Christians, keep you from, from you know, people like us. Hallelujah, right here. You know God. And so a lot of people, they, they just go through life and they allow the enemy to never let them to see all that the king that did for them. And they, they have a king sitting on the throne of God and they don't need to yield to him. So they die in their sins. Then the other one is, is Pastor Mark got into it over there in Mark's gospel. When we read over there in the, what, the, the fourth chapter when he's talking about the parable of the sower. Verse 15, he said what? He said, these are they that are sowed by the wayside. Isn't that the, isn't that the right verse? And he said what? Satan comes immediately to steal the word out of their heart. Comes immediately to steal the word out of the heart. See, here's the thing. The devil understands this. If he can keep you from hearing the word, he can keep you lost. He can keep you in bondage. He can keep you in sin. If he can keep you from receiving this word as a personal word from God coming to you, he can control you during this present wicked, evil age. And then so his, the, the, the first plan is to keep you in sin. Now, if he can't keep you in sin and you do hear the word of salvation and you do get saved, his second ploy is to keep you away from churches like this so you can hear what the Lord did for you and what he has for you and your inheritance in Christ. And then if you do come to a church where the word is being preached, when you go and you say, I was at Anchor Faith Church and it was so great. And you called your friend and said, oh my God, that's a call. Don't go over there. <laughs> and the devil comes immediately to steal that great truth that you just got out of you. Why? Because if he can't keep you from getting saved, his second ploy is to keep you as defeated and bound up and broke as he can to make you a bad witness of what a Christian is. 
He wants you as a Christian, complaining, fussing, sick, defeated, beat down, broken, never accomplishing anything, no prayers answered, drudging through life, just waiting till God comes. I just can't wait to go to heaven. Hallelujah. Come on. Because the devil reads the Bible just like you do. Somebody said, how do you know that? Well, in the wilderness, whenever he tempted Jesus, he quoted the 91st Psalm time. He can quote scriptures to you. Amen? They're all out of context, but he can quote them. But if you don't know what the word says, then you can't fight him because we defeat the devil with what? The spoken word of God. Just like Jesus did. You got to tell him what the word says. Hallelujah. And so we find that we're in the situation where the devil's trying to hold us because, see, in Hosea 4, 6, he's read what the prophet said over there. He quoted God to the people. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The word destroyed in the Hebrew means cut off from. My people are cut off from the blessings that they have as covenant children of God because they don't know. Because what you don't know can hurt you. Amen? But then the second thing he says in that verse is, just, is almost worse than the first. He says, my people are destroyed or cut off for lack of knowledge. Then he says, and because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being priests. What's that mean? It means you come here and you hear this word and you hear that you're citizens of the kingdom of God and that even though we're living in a present evil age, you have the power and the authority through Christ to reach over into that next age where there's full healing, full health, full power, full blessing and, 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 and bring it over into the age we're living in and live supernaturally right now in this age that you don't have to wait till you get a glorified body to walk in your righteousness and walk in peace and be overcomers and be, you know, uh, world beaters, hallelujah. You can do things now. And the enemy will come in and try to steal that out. But if you reject that, you know what a priest is? He said, if you reject the word, I'll reject you from being priest. A priest is one who ministers of the holy things of God. So if I reject healing, then I cannot minister healing in my life or anybody else's. If I reject the message of prosperity and overcoming and, and walking in the, the, the abundance of God, then I'll be poor. I'll not be able to minister in wealth and, and, and do the things as a steward God wants me to operate in. So therefore, the devil's going to do what? He's going to come in and try to steal the truths that God has given us because he understands this, if you taste of the good word and you put that word in your heart and it becomes a spoken word to you, it will uphold you right now even in this present evil age and cause the powers of the age to come to work in your life right now. Your prayers will get answered now. Your faith will move mountains now. Your confession will bring things to pass now. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you'll rise up because you have the Holy Spirit lifting up a standard against him right now. Yeah. And instead of you running, he's fleeing. 
And you get a hold of the powers of the age to come and the covenant that you have because you see it's one kingdom, folks. And Jesus is Lord over both phases of the kingdom. Hallelujah. He's just as much Lord and over every name and everything now as he will be then. And what he's trying to get a hold to us is this. He says, I know you're limited by your physical body. And I know in this realm you're living, you're limited a little bit by uh, not being able to see it all. But one thing you're not limited in is this. Hearing my word, putting it in your heart, putting it in your mouth, and reaching over into the promises that I've given you and bringing them from there over to here and receiving your miracle today, receiving your breakthrough today, and walking as more than a conqueror right now in this time and glorifying your Lord and living as kings and priests under our God, under the Lord King himself. Amen? Come on, church. That's what it's all about. And that's why we're here. That's why we're learning these things, praise God. And you've got to understand. Let me give you one more scripture here, and I'll just tie it up with this. Third John. Third John. There's only one chapter, so verses 2, 3, and 4. This is what John says. Beloved, in other words, he's talking to the Christians. He's talking to believers. Because Ephesians 1 says, we've been accepted in the beloved. So, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as or even as your soul prospers. You know what John is saying? He's saying the key to you living in victory in this present evil age is to change the way you think, change your attitudes to line up with what God says. Because your natural success is dependent upon your spiritual success. Because it's even as your soul prospers. I will never prosper and walk in victory above my revelation of who I am in Christ and who Jesus is to me. That's why the devil's after the word so hard. Because he understands that if you renew your mind to think like God wants you to think, it will cause you to believe different. It'll cause you to talk different. It'll cause you to live different and act different, and all of a sudden you'll stop living as some defeated somebody, and you'll throw those shoulders back and walk in the humility of being a king under the lordship of your king as a representative and ambassador of your king, and you'll know that his word in your mouth will work for you just like it did in his mouth. Amen? In Romans 12, 3, what does Paul say over there to the Romans? He says, be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world conform you. Don't let the world determine who you are. But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Why do I need to get my mind renewed, Paul? So that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What's that mean? When the devil comes lying to you, but you've got your mind renewed to the word of God, you say, uh-uh, no, 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 no. That's your kingdom. I'm in this kingdom. And let me tell you what the kingdom word says. Are you hearing me? Just like Jesus, when the devil tried to tempt him, Jesus proved God's will by speaking the word to him. And when you are filled with the word and change the way you think and your word is filled with the word, your mind is filled with the word of God, then you are not at the mercy of the lies of the tempter because now you know what God says. And when he comes, he says, you can't be healed. Wait a minute, I can prove to you I can be healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, and Matthew 8, 17 says, and 1 Peter 2, 24 says, and Psalm 103, 3 says, and Psalm 105, 7 says, and you just start quoting scriptures to him. 
He goes, oh, man. Well, you're not going to get your knees met. I'm not conforming to that. Didn't you read 2 Corinthians 8 9 that I know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he became poor so in his poverty I could be made rich. Did you never read Mr. Devil Clifton 419 but my God shall supply all my need God is rich in glory. Anymore. You want me to keep going? No, that's enough. That's enough. Yep. See, you have to be able to prove yourself what God's will is. And so my natural success is dependent upon my spiritual success of knowing who I am in the kingdom of God and knowing what my king is speaking to me because it's his word spoken to me that is going to uphold me in everything that I'm facing. Amen? And it will transform your life. And the very thing that the devil was upset about, you'll become a powerful witness for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us the truths and Lord bring us into the Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 